0: This is highly contagious with mercy and John. Is it catch us weekly as we interview our
1: local businesses.
2: Correlation doesn't always imply causation.
0: If you want to get on our list give us a ring ding ding ding.
2: Prime Home Health is here to help during this time of COVID-19, otherwise known as coronavirus. Check out all the helpful resources at primehhc.com or give them a call at 210-251-4973. Hey, everybody, this is John Kublank with Highly Contagious with Mercy and John. And we are here with Lone Star ER right in New Braunfels. I call it close to the middle age I I don't H-E-B. know what you call it. H-E-B number two, H-E-B dose. Um, right over on the, what is this, the east side of 46, west side of 46. And we have with us today, we have Dr. Bot, we have Joan, and we have Danielle. Correct. She's a good name. It right? goes by Danny, yes. and y'all, I'll give you a little opportunity to introduce yourself, including your last name or first name, Doc, if you prefer. As I was not about to botch any of those last names.
0: <laughs> oh, there's a party
2: yeah. here. But please take a second to introduce yourself and Lone Star. Okay.
3: Hey everyone, my name is Danny. I'm one of the nurses here. I've been a nurse for uh, about ten years, which is crazy and I've been here at Lone Star 24-Hour ER for almost a year.
1: Hello, my name is Dr. Sumit Bhatt. I've been an emergency medicine physician, uh, board certified for the last 14 years, which is even crazier. <laughs> and I've been here since we started... Hi, my
4: name office. is Joan, and I'm the Chief Operations Officer here at Lone Star 24-Hour Emergency Room. And I've been here since the start, 2017, and I'm also a nurse uh, for 30 years. Oh, wow. Before we get started about what's going
0: on today, can y'all just briefly tell us what y'all offer here at the ER?
1: Well, we are a fully functioning emergency medicine center. Um, we can pretty much do just about anything you can do in a hospital-based emergency room outside of major trauma. And if you're in a bad car accident, I'm about to fall off, probably shouldn't be here, probably should be in a helicopter to San Antonio. Sure. But outside of that, can take care of just about anything else. Um, from abdominal pain to even heart attacks, strokes—we're fully capable to give the medications necessary and kind of the at stage and get you uh, stabilized or whatever, so that includes pediatric emergencies as well. Oh,
0: nice. you all offer like imaging,
1: x-rays. Yes, uh, so we, uh, we're capable of, of course, we have an x-ray suite. We have a fully functioning CT scanner, um, which you can take care of just about, or at least uh, diagnose most things with that. Um, very few emergency needs for an MRI, so CT scan allows you to really check for most things. And we also have ultrasound capability, that's um, what we have imaging wise also a laboratory that can do um, quite a bit of lab work that we can do in-house. As needed, we can send out some labs. Most of the things we need in the ER, from a laboratory standpoint, we can do here in-house as well and have that within 10, 15 minutes.
0: Okay, let's just go ahead and jump right in on what's going on with the coronavirus. Any updates y'all want to tell us about? Um, I guess the biggest question I have is when do you recommend them coming in here? Are y'all taking a regular people like for what symptoms or do you have any that you want to like stay away?
3: So we are really up on the CDC's guidelines because it's changing every single day. So every single day Joan and I come in here and we review the CDC policies, we update our staff on the policies, Uh, That way we can push it out on our social media, uh, on our website and then also have it available for patients when they come in. So per the CDC, everyone's really recommended to stay home unless you have some other kind of emergency. Break your foot, abdominal pain, of course come see us. Um, We've followed the guidelines so we are prepared for people who have COVID. just in case we take all those precautions. Um, but if you are having the symptoms, the dry cough, um, you know, the fever, but you don't have any shortness of breath, you should really be staying home and self-quarantining because that's kind of the best way to prevent it from spreading from others.
0: So last week when we did a Q&A with the ER, they were telling us you have to basically have a ton of the symptoms before they even test you for it. But then recently it's going around saying that some people have zero symptoms. How is that possible for them to have no symptoms
3: and to get tested?
1: Well, I think it, it plays into two roles. And it, play, it kind of plays into, obviously, what you want for yourself as an individual, which is what's going to be best for the society as a whole. The reality is we just don't have enough tests for the entire country right now. So we're having to, at this point, still kind of pick and choose who are, where will the tests have the most benefit. Um, Hopefully that won't be the case uh, in the future as we continue to get more and more testing, but right now we're still not at that point. So the idea being that if you are asymptomatic, um, the reality is yes, there are patients that can be asymptomatic with coronavirus and be contagious. But you also, the odds are still though, that if you're walking around without symptoms, you don't have coronavirus. Whereas if you have more of the kind of telltale symptoms, you know, fever, difficulty breathing, um, severe coughing, then obviously more likely you could have corona than someone who's asymptomatic. And that's sort of the point where you would want to come and get tested. Right now, what the uh, CDC is recommending is essentially a person with those specific symptoms I just mentioned who has had exposure to someone known to already have tested positive coronavirus, number one. Number two, a person with those same symptoms who has um, been traveling to a country that is kind of a hot spot. Now, it seems like, feels like when you look at the map almost the entire world is a hot spot, but still you're thinking more of European travel, you know, traveling to mainland China, um, Iran, um, or um, the final is someone who is has those symptoms and then is high risk and high risk we consider since you an older patient about 65 years or patients with specific comorbidities including diabetes high blood pressure chronic kidney disease chronic lung disease um, or any other thing that would cause them to be in your compromise whether they're on chemotherapy or whether they're on a steroid therapy for some type of uh, rheumatological problem those are the patients that if they have those symptoms and they have those kind of criteria, they should be coming in to be further evaluated and be getting a COVID test. Um, As opposed to someone saying, young, yeah, you're having those symptoms, you feel pretty miserable, but thankfully you're 20 and fairly indestructible. Um, You can self-quarantine at home and kind of ride it out. Now, if it's to the point where the symptoms are so bad that you're struggling to breathe, obviously that's the thing of change. You need to come to the emergency room and be evaluated
2: and i don't know if y'all can actually comment on it or not but obviously other than staying at home which is most important you should try that as much as possible we have a lot of shortage of ppe right now or personal protective equipment masks respirators those sort of things is it even worth our time to try to come up with our own makeshift Mask, or is it really just don't touch your face, wash your hands if you have to go out anywhere? You know, follow those two precautions, or is there any other kind of tips that you could give us to help protect them?
3: Um, definitely the last part of what you said the wash your hands, don't touch your face, which is really hard as we all sit here and touch our faces. Um, you know, using the hand sanitizer, but also just regular soap and water, you know, Um, keep your house clean, you know, just. Don't bring dirt in. Take your shoes off when you come inside instead of walking through the house. Um, the PPE is a challenge for all health care facilities right now. Um, and we need to get that PPE for the people who really need it. The nurses, the doctors, the people stocking at HEB to like kind of keep us as a society moving. Um, that's where the PPE needs to go. Um, and making your own like makeshift PTE, PPE, like people have talked about bandanas and yeah. it's not really regulated to do what you think it's supposed to do. So if you put a bandana over your face and you have coronavirus and you go to the grocery store, you're just giving it to everybody else just because your face is covered. It's a droplet precaution. So um, yeah, the best is just to stay home.
1: And just kind of to add on to what uh, Danny said, the idea of the masks is to prevent respiratory droplets from entering your breathing space, Um, or especially if they are in your breathing space, not to enter into your actual, your mouth, your nose. So, the, kind of the idea of walking around kind of in society with a mask on if no one's coughing around you and if you're 10, 20 feet away from everybody it's, it's kind of pointless now if you're in a, around somebody that is coughing actively, then that's when you want to have a mask on or if you're in a situation where you just can't be far enough away from somebody then in that situation that's why they recommended I think even um, from you know the government itself, I think someone had kind of tweeted out this Kind of, you know, all caps shouting. Um, People don't wear these masks, you know, all the time outside. They're not going to help you. Now, if you yourself are sick with those symptoms and you're wanting to protect those around you, your family, yes, by all means, you should have a mask on and wearing it as much as possible. But if you're, you know, uh, in, in you know a grocery store and you're not around anyone who's going to be coughing or anything, you're keeping your safe distances. We recommend right now six feet for the flu is always three to five feet they kind of push that out to six feet the idea is that is kind of how far respiratory symptoms can go uh, or sorry respiratory droplets then you really don't need to be wearing a mask and it, it, like danny said if you can get those masks to patients or to people who are kind of right at the front lines and i think it's great that she included heb or or you know the grocery stores and the kind of the pharmacy pharmacists, pharmacy employees, even the cashier person who's sitting there getting exposed all day long, they're the ones that can really benefit from that mask much more so than you walking around society, you know, completely far away from everybody wearing a mask. Sure. And
0: I'm not surprised because I don't see the employees that are wearing masks or gloves. And I think for the protection of themselves and all of us, they should.
1: Sure. I was at H-E-B last night and they're definitely all employees there were wearing gloves. Okay, so I guess it's changing. their I didn't see as much. I think maybe the greeters outside were wearing masks but um, definitely gloves are being worn all over the store and I think that's, that's a good idea. Okay.
2: So going back to Lone Star there's more to Lone Star than just COVID-19 and coronavirus precautions um, you know the demand for healthcare is at an all-time high. Our seniors, our, our population is, you know, doing more. And, and I think there's probably a lot more emergencies. What are the sort of um, areas where Lone Star really shines on them? You know, what why is it that this spot was, number one, a good spot for y'all? And what is the benefit for the community, you know, instead of maybe going all the way over to Christus or, you know, far over to resolutely?
1: Well, I think here at Lone Star Twenty Four Hour, we offer sort of a, an alternative to your typical ER experience. Your typical ER experience is, and a lot of these things in the ER, there's no, it's nothing negative against the hospitals themselves. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. You're going into a busy waiting room because many people are coming there for um, hours, and then you, of course it's, it's everybody. So it's you know the um, violent, alcohol, you know kind of situation that the police are having to bring in and get under control. Um, you know, say a person with a psychiatric illness who's kind of in a severe situation. And so all those type of patients are there in the emergency room, of course you're in there with them. You're in sort of an alternative sort of situation where you're not going to really get that sort of type of population as much in terms of, so you're not going to have a busy, full waiting room where you're sitting, also getting exposed to other people with certain contagious illnesses. Um, so, you know, that sort of situation. And also, um, because of the nature of that uh, you tend to get less care. I work in a very large uh, busy ER as well and unfortunately the reality is when it's that busy you as a physician you have to almost kind of learn to cut corners in certain areas and while that does help the overall everybody in the ER at that time the 20 patients I have at the same time uh, by cutting those specific corners you don't want to cut corners on the patient. That's not the idea at all. So, in a place like this, where you don't have that same type of kind of crush of humanity, so to speak, um, the individual patient definitely gets more attention, um, and uh, oftentimes I feel better care just because of the. less of a
3: numbers game. I, yep. I notice that a lot. Kind of to piggyback on that, I, I tend to call working here like pure nursing um, because you do, I mean people become nurses because they want to help people, they want to be around people, not necessarily to do charting, right? Um, here you really get time to sit down with patients. You can recommend places that you can go, that you have time to find numbers, if someone needs a primary care doctor and they don't have one, hey, you know, let me call around and see who we can get for you so you will be better long-term. You know, you can talk to people. We have plenty of patients come back and they're like, oh, hey, Danny, how are you? You took care of me last time. Like, it's neat to actually build a relationship with patients instead of like what Dr. Bott said in big hospitals, people tend to be numbers. And while for a big environment, that's great because big hospitals do great things. It's nice to kind of have the, the purity of why we all went into medicine is to help, to help people.
2: You know, it's pretty cool. And I think right now it's really important. It just shows the opportunity for triaging different types of patients, right? You're talking about emergency patients still, because this is an emergency room. This is not necessarily an urgent care, primary care clinic. Um, but you have that, you know, more consumer model and more concierge or nicer, upscale model. I love y'all's waiting room out here. It's really beautiful. It's very great. inviting. It's very clean. Like um, you know, is that kind of
3: <laughs> great? Great
2: snacks. Great snacks. There is great snacks. I jumped... Yeah, I did. I can't help it. I love snacks. I love snacks. Um, is there? Was there a lot of thought into that as well? The environment out there in the waiting room. You did mention a minute a little bit, but you know, is, was there a big thought behind the? waiting room and how it was inviting for your uh, patients
4: yes Uh, we want to show you know like the patients that when they come in here that this is a very clean environment safe for them and that gives them the feeling that they're like going in into a hotel like a very comfortable environment for them unlike the regular hospital where it's so sterile and there's so many overcrowding patients over here there's decreased risk of you being exposed you know to other infections because patients are not waiting in the waiting room. We don't believe that you do, you get better while waiting in the lobby. so we bring patients back into the room. Uh, we triage the patients in there, and we take care of the patients and the environment, you know, especially at the front, this is, you know, like uh, really a good feeling coming, you know, that, you know, that uh, this place is going to take care of you. Yeah.
0: Going to a household ER, especially right now, it's like, okay, I feel like
4: you really
0: have to be sick. It's like, I have my assistant's baby that's had a 100, 103 fever. It's like, you know, is it a risk to go there? It's like, I told her, it's like, you need to come to one of these ERs. It's like, because, it's just so much, it's clean. And that's what you are, they're, you know, they're all in there coughing on each other. And again, a lot of people are kind of rot because they're so sick, they're out of
4: it.
1: Oh. Yeah, I mean, there's an inherent fear in going to the emergency room. You're having an emergency, that is scary. Um, so obviously we try to create an environment where you do feel kind of that, okay, I'm in a safe space. I'm going to be well taken care of it. Hopefully can allay some of those fears um, to kind of uh, on what you had said, yes, there is definitely increased risk obviously in larger crowds and because of the nature of the beach, you are going to have larger waiting rooms and more people there. So um, we do try to provide so almost like a kind of escape valve for the hospitals too in a way. Yes. They, as I, when I know I'm in the I'm busy yard working a night shift, I would love that some of those patients yeah. could end up somewhere else. I would love for them to be a place across the street where I could just decompress that weight in them a little bit. And I think it would be to their benefit too because I feel bad that the worst is on a night shift when I have a patient with a pretty, even a pretty severe hand laceration um, that I know needs stitches and they even need pretty complex uh, repair. The fact is, I know they can sit in that waiting room for 10 hours and I could still repair it and they'll still have the same outcome. And if I'm getting an ambulance after ambulance of patients who can't breathe from coronavirus or a heart attack or a stroke, I have to make that patient sit in that waiting room. And I hate it, but I know that I'm just going to take me an hour to slow that laceration up and I just cannot give them an hour right now. So they have to sit and wait, rather if there are places like this around, obviously that's a patient that could go and get a different, get different care. And, and not have to be in that situation, waiting and waiting, not necessarily.
2: With all the um, new regulations and all the, I guess, waivers that are coming out with the corona, uh, one of the big ones is telehealth, telemedicine. Um, have you already started adapting some different technologies and different opportunities for telehealth and telemedicine?
3: We have, we're actually pretty excited about it. As we talked about in the beginning, since things are changing daily from the CDC, um, we set up this week, um, an option when you come into our emergency room there's a huge sign that says stop if you have these symptoms please go back to your car Um, we've given our icloud email address and our phone number so if they have an iphone they can call our ipad um, they can register online we can get their consent online we can have a doc start talking to them the nurse can triage them one of us will go out there in our full ppe do the swabs the flu the strep the corona get a basic set of vitals um, and then we can go from there so y'all are testing here for the corona? If you meet the symptoms,
0: and what exactly like yeah. they have to hit, like exactly.
1: So, well, again, like kind of as we had spoken earlier, the um, because there aren't enough testing, was kind of specific criteria from the CDC. So anytime when we do have capability to test, but any patient that, First of all, after they're evaluated and we kind of say, yes, this is definitely kind of the type of coronavirus picture we think you know, we should test. We still have to call the Como County Public you know, Health mm-hmm. Department and discuss with them too. And sometimes we even have an epidemiologist, you know, a physician whose only job is to study these type of kind of disease patterns. And we can actually talk to them you know, on the phone directly and say, this is the kind of situation we got. Is this something that's recommended for testing or not? uh but we do have the capability of testing here if we, if we if we go through that kind of algorithm protocol and say yes this is the patient needs a test we can test here um now that test result will take seven days to come back that's just that's just what the reality is right now we're hoping to continue to get that down faster and faster as more labs produce kind of different uh, tests for coronavirus um, in that situation we would tell you okay depending on your symptoms go home so quarantine, yeah. you can call us at any moment if you feel worse and come back. Um, but otherwise, we will call you in seven days with those results and go forward from that. Or, obviously, if you're sick enough or is a safe situation for you to go home, we will be making arrangements to get you hospitalized and the coronavirus testing has already been done, kind of cutting out that step in the process, speeding up your care.
0: And you have an order. So y'all would test them first for the flu?
1: Yes, so any patients that come with those symptoms, you know, obviously corona is, all over the news, and it's what we're thinking about, and it's what we do need to think about. But the reality is, there's a whole planet of viruses out there besides coronavirus, including flu. We're not out of flu season yet. So, and a lot of the symptoms can be very similar. So, um, in fact, in a in busy ER I had, I had a patient that was at a, a conference here in the United States, but it was an international conference. She got quarantined at a hotel, put in the hotel room, literally drove 17 hours to my ER, uh, showed up with the symptoms and said, you know, uh, and so, uh, I tested it for flu initially, and uh, that's the happiest I've ever been to get a positive flu
3: test. I wanted to say
1: you have the flu and give her a big hug, <laughs> but I not I don't want the flu. But, um, but yeah, so uh, you know, so there are obviously the other viruses that out there and they can cause similar symptoms, so we test for those two tests for strep throat. In um, children, we test for RSV, uh, and so we test for that as well, and if we can get a positive test, and that obviously makes it much less likely that coronavirus at the same time.
2: So going back to the telemedicine piece, you have a system where you're utilizing just your Apple cloud account now. Is there is follow-up visits are going to be done or are you' looking at follow-up visits after the patient goes home using televisits or virtual visits?
1: That's a good, that's an excellent question. It's something that we uh, really need to talk about. Uh, We always, we do have a program where we always, any patient that comes in, we always do a follow-up call to see how they're doing. Always let them know at any point they can come back in for kind of a a follow-up visit. Um, You know, just walk right in and we'll see them uh, kind of pick up where we left off. But uh, that, as far as we haven't really discussed that, but we definitely will Yeah. (laughs) Still
2: <laughs> I, I've worked in telehealth for two years and biggest issues are implementation because a lot of our population doesn't actually have a cell phone that's capable of um, the video technology, not some of them do more and more are changing every day second thing is one of the issues that we have in this area right here is connectivity issues not a lot of our people do not have Wi-Fi or internet and internet service can be an issue in rural Oklahoma or just in New Braunfels we all know that right here this in this location has the worst cell phone signal for at least AT&T that's what I have yeah. um, you know is are y'all going to is there anything that y'all can maybe expand upon about those sort of situations and, and how you're working with your patients? Maybe if they feel uncomfortable, I don't know how to do this. You know, sort of situation. We have
3: a senior population. as well. Population. We have a. So if you don't have. Um, the capability to video chat our iPhone, we have the number on there too. Um, And since most people, even the older population have cell phones, they can always call. It's also on our website and on our social media. So even people who are those older populations who maybe don't have a cell phone, um, but have some kind of home computer can find our number on our website as well. So make sure you go and
0: like Lone Star ER on Facebook and follow them.
2: Yes. Um, Last question I always like to ask too, you know, in these sort of encouraging words that we can give out to our community. um, um, Is there any final thoughts that you have about, you know, other ways to maybe stay active, stay connected, Um, you know, those sort of tips for the social determinants. And I think I was talking to the CEO of uh, SJRC, which is St. Jude's Ranch for Children here locally, and, you know, the youth and our seniors being in this sort of social isolation is a big issue, and social determinants are such a huge factor of our health. Um, Is there anything that y'all could expand on from a clinical perspective or, or ways to maybe help decrease that social isolation in this time of social distancing?
3: I think from a clinical perspective and as a mom who has two small children who are also stuck at home and a husband who's stuck at home, Mm -hmm. I think structure is a good part you know you can still go outside in your driveways or the front yards of your apartments or wherever you are and get some fresh air um but really understanding that this is a phase right so in this time next year we likely won't be doing this um so yeah fingers crossed so like every everything it's just a phase so we just have to know that there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel and it's neat to see everyone kind of Together, Like, you know, this is, I guess the silver lining, but you know, everybody is starting to get along and do things for the betterment of the community. And like, how neat is that? And it's a really neat, it's a neat aspect. So are you saying not to go on a walk? Walks are fine. The six feet is kind of a good... A good distance to be apart from someone. I went on a walk yesterday, and we were passing these three kids on bicycles, and
0: they were literally six feet apart from <laughs> each other. It was yeah. so cute. I was like, oh. I was like <laughs> I had, they like listen
1: to the. Like I had, a, had a tape measure <laughs> distancing themselves. Yeah, side. yeah, But actually, I mean, it's interesting that you know you mentioned the kids on bicycles. Actually, in our neighborhood we started to the same thing. We're seeing so many more. Almost like these roving bicycle gangs of kids, mm-hmm. and actually families now. And it's okay. and it's kind of interesting. I literally just maybe two weeks ago, you didn't see that. People were just getting in the car and driving or whatever. And now, it's kind of, it's almost like a going back to kind of how, I guess, probably people entertain the themselves in the 1950s. I'm just waiting for this amazing Chevy 57 Chevy yes. to come down the street, you know, with the convertible top, you know, playing some, you know, amazing music. So, uh, you know, Elvis, I guess, would be the best music at that yeah. time. Uh, but so, you know, it's kind of interesting. So I think there still can be that social component. Another thing that she mentioned is just, being kind to each other, you know. Just on the news, there's a guy that has kind of taken upon himself to just do random acts of kindness. I was reading an article this morning about um, they set up, and in some of these neighborhoods, they set up this kind of coding system in the windows. They put certain colors up, and that tells other people that hey, I need this you know type of uh, groceries or whatever. And then younger people are able to go and help them. Over so I mean, there's so many ways that we can just be kinder to each other as a society and. and and that acts of kindness you still build those bonds and and like as long as you're staying six ten feet away from each other um you know you still can interact fine you know you're walking with the whole neighborhood without walking but all staying ten feet away from each other you're all interacting you are talking You're waving you know um but it doesn't have to be that just that close and that you know social congregation
0: some places um i heard it on the radio with california they're putting up christmas lights and bring Christmas love back. Mm -hmm. So I was like,
2: that's interesting. Well, thank y'all so much for coming on the show today. Um, If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's a good website, phone number, email address?
3: I would say Google Lone Star ER, but go ahead. Yes, that is a very easy way. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Lone Star 24 hrer Um And then our website is Lone Star 24 Hour ER.com. We keep it simple here. Um, and then our number is 830 627 0911. Can call anytime. Awesome.
2: Well, thank y'all so much. Uh, Again, our listeners out there, we're trying to keep you informed on all the changes with COVID and all the different uh, happenings that are going on in the community. But until next time, this is John
0: and Mercy. Wash your hands,
2: (laughs) and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you. That's all for this time. Subscribe, share, like our page. Visit us over at Facebook. We have more interesting episodes to come. We can't wait to share with you. Thanks for listening.